The following BLTV program is brought to you by O'Flaherty Law. Please enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fierce Females. If you have any questions or would like to submit a response, please email us at admin.fiercefemale.info. Again, that's admin.fiercefemale.info. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fierce Females. Uh, My name is Catherine Manjardi, and I am so, so happy to be bringing to you Dr. Sheikha Jan, who is um, not only an oncologist, a hermologist, uh, she's a doctor of cell therapy, so she's a super brilliant woman, but um, I feel like her superpower is... um, like gender equality. And um, recently she founded COVID-19, which is a um, advocacy, advocacy group uh, for Chicago. And um, we're just so excited to have her because I just, I just want to hear your, um, you know, you, you inspire me so much like about like gender equality and all these awesome things. And I just want to um, get your point of view on how COVID is affecting us for the future. And as a mother, because you are a mother of two children, right? And I feel three. like, um, oh, three. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just so excited to have you. So Dr. Jan. Thank you for having me, Catherine. It's great to be to be back with you. I mean, uh, since the last time we were together, uh, it's a lot has happened, um, you know, between the pandemic and, you know, just everything that's happened in the last 12 months. I think that there's a lot to talk about. We have, we're living through this pandemic that I think is impacting everybody across the globe. And um, there's so much evidence showing that it's impacting women much more significantly than men in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, we founded the group Impact a couple of, about almost a year ago now to kind of work on advocacy and amplification of, of evidence-based information. And the funny thing is the group was actually founded by five physician moms and one physician dad. So, um, wow. It's, it's, it's just goes to show you the power of, of parents and, and what we can do when we put our minds to it, because there's just, there's been so much, there's been so much inequity in healthcare and the world overall. And then I think the pandemic has really made a lot of it much more evidence now and more in the public eye. And so we're trying to address, I, I tell people it's kind of like whack-a-mole where you're trying to address each thing and then six other things pop up and it's really, it's been a challenge. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit more about that foundation. And it's because it's so many moms and, um, you know, one dad, like what, what do you feel like as a mother living through the pandemic, you know, it's been, obviously it's been challenging on everyone, especially women, because the statistics say that women are, it's called the C C session, right? The women are leaving the workforce, um, because they, they don't have childcare, which is huge. Uh, even myself, you know, I find myself rescheduling my meetings just to go pick up my son because after school programs are not available anymore. So how can we, um, what's, what's like your strategy for moving forward, especially for working moms like myself? Yeah. So, you know, impact was formed initially. We were the six people with the five physician moms and one physician dad. And now we're up to, I think about 45 people who are actively involved in the group. And we've done everything from like 
trying to get people vaccines across the state. We've created an entire um, vaccine clearinghouse where people can get information on where they can sign up to get their, their COVID vaccines. We've done, um, we've partnered with other organizations to get uh, PPE to nursing homes and, and a lot of facilities across the, the state with the group Get Me PPE Chai. Um, and we've done a lot in like the media, TV, writing op-eds, you know, doing a lot of just advocacy work in that sense. And then we've also done quite a bit when it comes to looking at the gender inequities that you mentioned. So I published a couple of academic papers with colleagues on the she session, as you talked about, and how COVID-19 is so so hard on, on women, especially because oftentimes women are the ones who are primarily doing the childcare, they're taking care of the home schedule, they're dealing with elder care. I mean, that's not the case in every home, but most homes that is, that's kind of, the standard. And so women are really struggling in one, they didn't have, didn't have and still don't have childcare. School for many people was virtual, trying to have meetings when you have children running around <laughs> always a challenge. Um, you know, you and I were talking right before we started, I had to run out to make sure my kids were okay before we did this because they're outside. And I said, mommy's going to be recording something for, you know, 30 minutes. Can you make sure you keep it down? I mean, the first half of the pandemic, my kids were in every meeting with me, literally. My daughter still comes in and tries to get in on most of my meetings. So um, there's that challenge. And then also trying to get your kids into their virtual learning, trying to make sure that, you know, your kids are getting their education and are still being fed and and to have the opportunity to, to do some learning in their school environment that now is taking place at home. There's a lot of women who don't have the luxury, I would want to say, or the privilege of being able to do, you know, what what you and I are able to do, which is figuring out what to do with our kids while we're doing our meetings. Um, there's some who don't have Wi-Fi or internet at home, so how are their kids going to get school and they have to deal with that? Then there's also, I mean, people who have to go in, essential workers still have to physically go into work. I still go in to see patients. So there's a challenge of what do you do with your kids when you're, if you have kids or what do you do um, with, if you've got, you know, taking care of elderly parents, if you can't have caregivers come to the house. So I think women have really felt the brunt of it. And we've seen the results, not only in women leaving the work field, workforce. I mean, CNN reported in December that all of the women, all of the people leaving the workforce were women. I mean, it was just reported in December of 2020. And it's, I mean, the numbers are just mind boggling. Then on top of that, the women who are staying in the workforce, their ability for promotion, for advancement, it's significantly impacted by the fact that they don't have the time to do all the things that they want to be doing or need to be doing because they need to be focusing on their family or they need to be focusing on safety of their of their family. And so it's really it's really a step backwards for equity in, in, in healthcare, equity across the board. I mean, women in every field are seeing this. And so it's, it's hard to, to talk about solutions when the problems are things that are completely out of your control. I mean, it's great that we've got the vaccine coming and we're starting to hopefully see an end in sight. But mm -hmm. I mean, these issues that have come up over the last year, these inequities that have really been amplified in the last year, we're going to see the effects of this for years to come because women are being going to be and are already being penalized for not being as productive, for not being as much a part of maybe the company that as they were before, because there's only so many hours in a day and there's, you can't, you know, you can't be bringing your kids to everything and, and you have to, you have to figure out how to balance. And I, I don't, 
I don't see a lot of support that's out there to try to make these things feasible or practical. It's just, it's a tough situation all around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned so many good points where um, a lot of women are really in a challenge and they're struggling and mentally they're struggling too. You know, a lot of women are probably on medication because they can't handle everything that's thrown at them. So, you know, you're saying that we don't have a lot of solutions, but what is like, what is our solution going forward? Because I see so many women that reach out to me that are like, I'm struggling. My kids are home. Just all the things you said, you know, our kids are constantly in the meetings. I'm focused on a client meeting and my child's in the room. So what are like, what, what can we do going forward to move this process and get through it faster and quicker? So I think number one, we all need to cut ourselves some slack, like a lot of slack. (laughs) I mean, that's one thing, you know, I, I can't even imagine what moms across the country are going through. I mean, I have been fortunate in that I have, I have help because I, I have to without my husband and I are both physicians and we had to go in and see patients. So we, we had to figure it out, but I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. I'm very privileged in that sense. I think the first thing we need to do is we need to cut ourselves and cut each other a lot of slack because this year has been unlike any other year. <laughs> In our to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think that's number one. That's the most important. The second thing is we need to see companies coming up with solutions. We don't want to go back to the way things were once this pandemic is over. We need to see, you know, childcare opportunities, childcare solutions coming from companies. I think that mm-hmm. the whole idea of, of working from home and, and having a little bit of flexibility where you can call into meetings, like, especially if it's meeting what I've seen a lot of people do is they'll have meetings while they're in the car on their way to pick up their kids or drop off their kids or, you know, their kids are doing a virtual session nearby um, for their school. So I think there needs to be that flexibility put into place where we have the ability to work from home if needed, but also the ability to provide childcare if needed. I think that's incredibly important. And I think that there needs to be a discussion on that in, in all companies, there needs to be childcare allocated for I also think another really important thing is we talk about the timings of meetings, right? So if you think about it, having somebody who is trying to get their kids either out the door to school or set up for virtual school, but also having a meeting at 7.30 in the morning when you're trying to do that as well as the six other things you need to be doing, that especially if you don't have childcare, that's not necessarily possible. So I think there needs to be some accommodations made where you realize it might be that somebody can't make it to a 7.30 a.m. meeting because of their responsibilities at home. And that needs to be acceptable and it needs to be um, thought into the planning. We talk a lot about how corporate America and healthcare and all of these companies and businesses, they were built and the hierarchy and the structure was built in a time where there weren't a lot of women in the workforce. That has changed. I mean, over the decades, that has changed. In medicine, we're seeing more than 50% of the applicants and matriculants to medical school are women. So if we have more women in the workforce, which is the way it is, like that's a fact, then the structure needs to be modified. Um, mm-hmm. A great example that one of my mentors always says, she says, you know, when you go to any, any place, there's always a line out the door for women's bathrooms and there's no line for men's bathrooms. And why is that? It's not like men take a much shorter amount of time than women. It's not that, you know, men still need to wash their hands. They still need to go to the bathroom. They still need to do all those things. So it's not like 
men are taking a significantly less amount of time. It's the way these things have been set up, the way the structure of these bathrooms has been set up that there's just, it's not accommodating for the fact that women have different needs than men. And so why on earth would you set up a male bathroom the same way as you would a woman's bathroom? I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, anywhere you go, the fact that there are lines out the door for women's bathrooms means that there is something wrong with the infrastructure there. So you don't blame the women and say, oh, you're taking too long in the bathroom. You think, huh, maybe these bathrooms were created without women in mind. Now we need to rethink how we set up bathrooms in public places. We need to accommodate for the fact that women might have different needs. And by doing so, you can make it more efficient in the bathroom line because then there won't be those long lines for men and women. So. And that being said, I mean, the infrastructure that it's set up right now, it's, mm -hmm. it's, as they say, it's a man's world. It's not really a man's world. It's just, it was designed by men because women weren't in the decision-making rooms when a lot of these plans were put into place. Now women are in leadership. Women are in the workforce. Women are a part of your, they're your colleagues. They're your bosses. They're your leaders. Why have we not come into the modern world and rethought the way these hierarchies are set up, rethought the way these, these meetings are set up, the structure is set up. And I think that is a big thing that needs to come out of this pandemic, that our infrastructure needs to be modified to accommodate the fact that 50% of the workforce or more in certain fields is women. And it doesn't make sense to keep doing what we've been doing for centuries when obviously it's very much geared towards half of the population. Yeah, I mean, the, just the fact that you mentioned that women are 50% 50, 50 of women going to med school and coming out of med school, but the leadership is only what, 20% of women that are even like, doc, um, not doctors, but- um, like Professors or- Professors. professors or yes. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different data showing that, you know, between 16 to 20%, whether you're looking at you know, division chairs or division chiefs are looking at um, the uh, the deans of schools, looking at the women who are mm. in leadership, it's significantly less. So we're seeing a lot of women enter into the field, but then what we're seeing is this leaky pipeline is what they call it, where we see women falling off between promotions. So going from assistant to associate professor, associate to full professor. I mean, I can speak from personal experience and say numerous women have come to me and said, you know, I have the exact same qualifications as my male colleague and I have been turned down over and over again. Meanwhile, he is rising in the ranks. And so there's mm. equities that exist. And again, I think a lot of it is structural where um, we talk about how, you know, if, if a woman leaves work at four o'clock to go pick up her kid, that doesn't mean she stopped working at four. I mean, she picked up her kid, did dinner, you know, did bedtime, did all of that. And then from 8 p.m. till one in the morning is probably doing the same work that her male colleague might've been doing from four to six. So uh, just their women are often doing work during their free, free time or during their downtime. And it's not, again, it's not being accounted for. And so they, they just aren't being recognized for what they're doing. And that's, I mean, that's just one small portion. There's also, we talked about this the last time we chatted, there's a pay gap that still exists in medicine. I mean, it's crazy. If you calculate it out for certain specialties, it's millions of dollars over a career that are lost by, right. um, by the pay gap for people working the exact same amount of hours, doing the exact same amount of productivity and work and getting paid significantly less. So it's not a one-stop shop for this is the one solution. I think it really, it's a multi-layered approach 
But in order for it to be effective, we need men in leadership to also buy into the fact that this is a problem. And mm -hmm. once they buy in, they need to be bringing their female colleagues to the table and saying, okay, this is the problem, what are the solutions? And then implementing those solutions. Because as you astutely pointed out, there are more men than women in leadership, significantly more men. And if they're not willing to, to work on fixing the problem and fixing the system, then nothing is gonna change. And I also wanna point out that for women with intersectionality, these problems are even greater. I mean, they, mm. they face so much more discrimination. And I mean, there's, there's something that's been coined as the minority tax and there's something else called the mommy tax where basically you're taxed for, for being a mommy, you're taxed for being a minority. And if you're a woman of color and a mom, you're taxed for being all of the above. So it's, it's just, it's really unfortunate that we're at a point now where these issues still exist. But I, me being the cautious optimistic, I always am. I'm hopeful that this pandemic has made these inequities even more obvious so that our leaders realize that it's time to use this pandemic as a way to really change the structure in the system to allow for things to move forward more equitably because we're losing so many brilliant minds from medicine. They're just leaving because they don't want to deal with the inequities anymore. They don't want to deal with, you know, having to fight their way to get the same thing as their male colleagues. And, and it's unfortunate because we're, we're seeing our best and brightest leave. We're seeing those who we really need their voices out there be silenced by just pure fact of, of frustration and, and, and not wanting to put up with it anymore. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we did talk about this last time, but it's also the women, is it the, is it the women not championing, championing themselves to get them to the next level and the women not having the confidence to go forward with that? Or is it just that they're staying at home and they just give up and they're just, and they're just saying, I'm just going to take care of my children and kind of just sit back and let my husband deal with it. So that's a great question. So that's actually one of the arguments that a lot of people use, which is women don't advocate for themselves. Women don't, you know, mm -hmm. go up these positions, but that has been shown to be not true at all. We've mm -hmm. seen when, I mean, there, I will say this, oftentimes women don't brag about themselves. They don't advocate for themselves as much as men in general. That's something that, that anecdotally we've seen. But what we're also seeing is even when women do champion for themselves and advocate for themselves, they don't get the same positions or they're not even considered for them. A lot of times what happens is we talk about sponsorship in medicine where, you know, one of your colleagues, one of the leaders will say, oh, this person would be great for this opportunity. A lot of times women aren't even thought of in those positions. So it'll be, oh, hey, you know, Joe's a great guy and I think he'd be great for this leadership position. Jill might be good, but she, she's got three kids at home. So she probably isn't, doesn't have the time. So a lot of times women are written off and not even considered for positions because of things that really shouldn't be taken into account when you're talking about offering someone a position based on their objective abilities and their ability to, to perform. So I think, you know, this, this concept of women not going for these things has been disproven so many times because it's, I mean, the, a great example is uh, when women and men are presenting at a conference, there's been so many studies showing that men will often be introduced as Dr. So-and-so and women will be introduced by their first name. So mm. 
when that <laughs> happens, the man is automatically put in this like expert category and the woman is automatically like, who is she and why is she even on this panel or on the stage? So these unconscious biases, these implicit biases that exist, they often result in women not not only not getting the same opportunities, not being considered, but actually, you know, it's it's something where women are are seen to not be as equivalent because of because of these inequities that exist. So, and there's so many different pipelines that have been created. Elam has this amazing program for women in leadership to like excel. I've just started um, a program for early to mid-career women, like a leadership development program. So they all exist. It's not that these women aren't interested. It's not that they don't exist. It's that they aren't, either they aren't given the opportunities or when they advocate for themselves or apply for these opportunities, they're shot down. Um, mm -hmm. It's, and I've seen it's happened to me personally. So I can speak from personal experience. It's happened to friends who literally, I've had friends who have a specific objective example, a friend submitted a paper for a publication and, um, and it was rejected. Colleagues submitted almost the exact same paper, only he was the first author and same journal and it got accepted. Despite the fact it was almost the same paper. Wow. I, there's data, wow. it's crazy. I mean, there's a study that came out of Yale a couple of years ago that showed if you look, um, it was two CVs that were, it's called the CV or the resume study. Um, the only difference between these two CVs was one was a man and one was a woman. The, um, and they were applying for a job as like a lab, uh, like in a, in a lab. And the man was offered more money. He was thought to be seen as somebody that could be easy to mentor. Um, and was everybody, basically he was seen as more hireable than this woman, despite the fact they had the exact same credentials, everything was the same except for the name. So mm -hmm. it's not that women aren't going for these things. It's that when women go for these things, they're discounted for a variety of reasons. And that is a really big issue. And so there's been a lot of stuff out there about how we're trying to teach men and women to address and identify these unconscious biases and by doing so allow for um, for a greater opportunity for these amazing women to, to advance. Um, but we've still got a long way to go. Yeah, definitely a long way to go because what you're talking about is not just a little shift, it's a cultural shift. So it's the mothers like myself that have two young boys and how I raise my boys to treat women and how my boys see other people treat me um, is a cultural shift. Like I have to raise them the right way to champion women and to treat women the way that any other man that they would treat. So yeah, it's definitely a cultural shift and that's amazing. Well, you're clearly very passionate about what you do and um, I love all your statistics and everything you're doing. It's amazing. Thank you for spending the afternoon with me when I know you could have spent it with your three children. But um, I feel like we both have like such a passion for, for gender equality and women and champion women. And it's just so important. So thank you, Shika. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. I'm going to, you're there. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, you rattled off so much. <laughs> Sorry, I hope I didn't talk too much. I was like, I don't know where all to take this. So I tried to cover as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And I try to keep it short because I noticed that people like, if I, if I drag a podcast on too long, it's hard for them to like stay focused. But um, 
And I feel like it's just such a great, uh, it's such a huge topic right now. And I love the way you put it where um, companies have to really start to change their mentality towards it and companies need to be more flexible around it. But I mean, the bottom line is a lot of companies, unless they're really big, big companies with a lot of resources may not have that, right? So they have to build it in. I mean, that's the problem, right? If you want women to work in your company, you've, you've got to figure out a way to build it in. Like there's got to be, it might be that you're taking money from one thing and putting in somewhere else. But if you want, mm-hmm. you want to have women and men, really, if you want to have a company that is the most efficient and effective at getting what it needs to get done, then you support your employees. Like we support men all the time. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's so easy right. to support men and not even think twice about it. I mean, right. the best the best example I have is when it comes to things like, like medications. So Viagra is not an issue, right? Men can get Viagra, no problem. Right. Oil is like a huge issue. Like we support men left, right, and center. Why can we not do the same for our women? Like, why is it such a controversial thing to try to support our women? And I mean, it just, it just makes no sense. Like there's, there's so many things that companies do to provide support for their male, male employees. If, if men were the ones who gave birth, they'd have six months maternity leave, like no joke. It's it just, right. really happen. but we don't have any maternity leave policy in this country. Like right. it's crazy. So I think that there's a lot that needs to be set. Well, there's just a lot that needs to be done in this space. And it, it's about a mindset change. And the hope is that the next generation as you know, they continue to grow and, and people start realizing that this is the way things need to be. We start to see those changes, but I don't know. I, it gets, uh, it's, it's interesting to see. I think like to your point, I think women need to start stepping up and being more leaders. And as soon as we have the women in the leadership, they'll fight for other, I mean, it's proven that when women are in Congress, there's more laws that are passed that advocate women. Yep. And when women are doctors, there's more advances in female healthcare. Like yep. this is all proven. So I feel like women just need to step up and start taking charge and keep going the, with it. The problem with that is, so you're right, women need to step up, but when women step up, they get torn down. So like, I, this isn't something that should go on the podcast, but I mean, I have done that and I have, I have been destroyed i have been attacked i've had people like come after me and say who do you think you are despite the fact that i'm at the same level as other people but when i start trying to like expect things and expect that my leadership uh is is i mean it's a no-brainer right i'm doing the same thing as this guy how come he's getting the accolades and i'm i'm not not even accolades but the leadership opportunities and then you get torn down i mean it happens to women all the time where women try to strive for those leadership opportunities and get to that point and they end up attacked they're they people literally will spread rumors about them um i've had that happen before it's awful i mean there was on very true there's a woman right now it just happened this weekend at tulane this african-american woman who and this is where we talk about intersectionality she was actually told that she could not be the program director by herself because she was an African-American woman and they thought it would bring the wrong crowd of people to apply to their medical program. And they wanted a white male to be her co-director with her because she literally, because she was an African-American woman. So (laughs) she's gotten to the point of being a leader. And even then she was told that, no, you, you don't get 
this opportunity because of who exactly who you are. So it's not that women aren't getting into these opportunities. It's not that women are ad, aren't advocating for themselves. It's there are so many men who are still in positions of power that once the women get there, they just don't, they, it's not even that they're not set up for success. They're literally torn down. I mean, they are dragged through the mud and torn down and it's just not, it's, it needs to change, but it needs to change from the top down because if the top doesn't change, you know, the bottom isn't going to be able to make the changes on their own. So without the people in leadership actually realizing this is a problem and making the changes, it's never going to change. Yeah, that's crazy. That definitely has to get added into the podcast. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I um, I actually just this week am launching a, um, it's a leadership development course for men. And it's called the Inclusive Leadership Lab. I'll email it to you, actually. It's um, wow. targeted at men in healthcare, male leaders in healthcare, and hmm. getting them to kind of develop the leadership skills you need to be an inclusive leader. Because when we talk about men coming to the table, a lot of times men come to the table and they don't know how, how to make changes. Like they, they come and they've got good intentions and good hearts and they want to make changes but they don't know how. And so um, I found- That's a very good point. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's not that men are bad. Men are great. I love men. My husband is a man. But I think that the challenge really is these good men don't know how to set up the infrastructure to change things effectively and at a large scale. So this leadership development course that um, I'm launching, it's actually these two phenomenal authors um, who they- lead in this space in this he for she allyship space and they teach people they they teach men the leadership skills they need to be effective impactful inclusive leaders i mean it, it goes back to the idea of making sure something as simple as making sure your your um, search committee is is diverse making sure that you have you know men women different different ages different you know backgrounds you need to have diversity in your in your search committee, which a lot of times people don't don't have. So it's it's just to, I think we need to to help bring everyone to the table. But then once they get to the table, we need to help them understand how to make these changes. So that's why we create. Mm -hmm. this I think that's so true because a lot. I think I do think a lot of men. I don't think men hate women. Like I don't like I don't think that they like go out to the world and say like I hate women and I'm just not gonna appease any woman like I just like you said I really think they just don't know the the steps and they also are not educated on, on what women go through on a daily basis just to maintain their life like like you said a woman may leave from work at four o'clock four to six o'clock pick up her kids make dinner do all these other things and then work later at night just to make up those hours and the man works from four to six the woman picks up the kids the woman makes the dinner and they have no freaking clue what's going on right and right. then they're like oh dinner's on the table oh it just magically appeared right that's the it's thing like it's just so true <laughs> and it's so it's so important to make that distinction because the one thing that i never ever want to come across as is a man hater like i'm not a man hater now let me fix my hair one second <laughs> this is why we need more women <laughs> so I'm not like I'm not a man hater right I'm I love men but right but we need to be working as a team like we need to be working as a team to make these things 
happen. We can't be saying it's all up to the men or it's all up to the women. It's up to all of us. But in order to do that, we all need to be working together. And and men need to understand, it's like the bathroom analogy. Like, right. it's just, it's, it's crazy that women's bathroom lines are always so long. Like it's been going on for centuries. You would think we would have fixed that by now so that women don't have to wait 40 minutes to go to the bathroom at a baseball game. But, right. but that hasn't happened yet because who's making the decisions and how do we change the, the structure? So anyway, I could talk about this for like hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually it's funny because when I was in Japan, I, um, there's the bathrooms in Japan are amazing and they actually have, they're so thoughtful of women that they have a little thing. Like you turn around, you go to the bathroom and there's a place to put your baby. Like, it's like, <laughs> I swear you have to go, hold on. Um, you have to go because there's like a little slot to put your baby on the door. Like, like you, it's like a little like carriage thing. Oh my God, to put your baby so you can pee. Like, is that not the smartest thing on the planet? This is what I'm talking about. Like, this is the kind of stuff that needs to be thought about that. I mean, my husband would never think of that. Like he, I mean, even though he is a wonderful advocate for me, he would never think that I would need somewhere to put a baby when I go to the bathroom. Like that's just, right. That's bonkers. That's amazing. Well, I mean, like I said, I could talk about this forever. I'll send you, I'll send you the information on the Inclusive Leadership Lab because I think it's, um, it's open to anyone in healthcare, any male leader in healthcare. Um, this is the first year we're launching it, but I, it's just, it goes to show kind of the ideas of how we need, how we need to be more innovative and how we're thinking about change. Yeah, amazing, awesome. Yeah, absolutely, and we're we're definitely adding that. We're we're editing that in. But, uh, <laughs> That's, that's great. You know, I'm on a YouTube channel, right? With there's, yeah. there's like a bunch of, um, I think now they're up to like, I think they're up to like six to 7,000 subscribers just in like, wow. my area. so amazing. well, yeah. ask, you can edit in whatever you want. Maybe don't put in the part about me being attacked because I don't want anybody to come after me, but you can, if you need to keep it in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, send it to me once it comes out. How, when do you think it's going to come out? Um, after this, I'm going to send the recording over to the editor. Um, I think maybe by the end of the week or so. Okay. Sounds good. Like that. And then we could, uh, send it out and definitely share it. And I'm like, I kind of, I didn't sign a contract with them, but I did say like, I'm going to do two podcasts, a two podcasts a month because that's all I can handle right now. I can't do any more there with work, sure. um, work, kids, school, all that stuff. But, um, I, I actually was going to stop podcasting for a while and then, one of the ladies that I had on one of my podcasts literally called me crying. And she's like, you have no idea. You changed my life. You changed my family's life. You changed all these kids' lives. Wow. And, yeah. And so I was like, well, and she's like, you have this platform that has been given to you. And if you just stop doing it, she's like, none of these people are going to hear these great stories. You're not going to get the message out. Um, and so it kind of like hit me. Like I was like, well, maybe, maybe there's something more to it. Maybe. I have been given like this passion to do this for a reason. Absolutely. And totally. You should keep doing it. I mean, you're amazing at it. <laughs> you are very good. It's so conversational and it's, it's good. You should absolutely keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you know what, maybe there is something to it. Maybe I'll just keep doing it and kind of go through it and all that good stuff. But yeah. Yep. Well, I'm excited to see it. Let me know when it comes out. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Shika. Take care. See you later. Bye. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fierce Females. If you have any questions or would like to submit a response, please email us at admin.fiercefemale.info. Again, that's admin.fiercefemale.info. Thanks. The following BLTV program is brought to you by O'Flaherty Law. Please enjoy.